Welcome to the Bookwifery Podcast, a weekly podcast that helps you birth your book, your voice, and your audience through discernment, companionship, and guidance. I'm Christiane Squires, the founder of Bookwifery, and my mission is to help you birth books that heal the world with light. Welcome to the show. Hello, lovelies. I am bringing you today episode 18 of the Bookwifery podcast. Today, we're going to talk about five approaches to discernment. So as you know, by now, we talk a lot about discernment here at Bookwifery. And um, I know you know also that it's one of my favorite topics ever in life. And I just got to thinking, I've been doing some discernment work myself in my own personal life and with my work and um, have also started offering these uh, one-on-one discernment sessions with folks. And just am realizing more and more how much um, this concept of discernment is really important to the work that I do here at Bookwifery and offer to you. And also not always super clear and um, Un, like not not something that everyone necessarily is well versed in, and there's so much to discernment that we can t- continue to talk about and will continue to talk about. But I thought today I would just break down for you some of the different approaches you can take to discernment when you are in a place of needing to discern something in your life, and this could be something um, to do with your book. It could be be something to do with um, whether you are pregnant with a book. It could have to do with questions you're holding about your book um, as you're working through your book pregnancy. It could be questions you're holding about the ways that you connect to your audience and and could be your sense of your, your life's work and your call. Um, but it also can be things that you just apply to your life in general, um, approaches that you take to discernment just in your regular course of life, things that you're you're trying to discern. So I hope you find this to be a very practical episode. I am excited to share it with you and had some fun kind of putting together five different ways that I um, have found helpful, uh, different ways of tapping into some different um, aspects of discernment that I have found helpful at different points in my life or have learned from others is helpful. So let's um, start first with some helpful prep work to um, maybe kind of gather to yourself when you are going to enter into a process of discernment around something. Um, So as I was kind of laying out the five approaches for this episode in my notebook, I thought, you know, these are all kind of... um, helpful when you know what it is that you're discernment and what what it is that you're discerning and you've gotten yourself into a place where you're ready to start holding some things and like examining kind of the fruits and um and there's some things that would be helpful to do before you get to that point so let me just name some prep work that you might want to do when you are realizing you do have a question to discern the first piece of prep work is to just name the discernment what is it specifically that you are seeking to discern right now. And it might be formulating it into a question. It might be um, kind of naming a couple different options that you're holding for something. So it might be, um, you know, uh, am I supposed to take this job that's being offered to me? Um, Do I want to move to this place or that place? Um, Do I want to connect to my audience 
here, here, or here. Um, so really getting clear on what is it specifically that you are trying to discern right now um, and just naming it so that you're clear. You know, a lot of times when we're holding a big question, it can get very fuzzy inside of our heads and we, we can sometimes like just even get off track knowing what it is that we're, we're about right now. <laughs> um, but also like lots of things can kind of glom onto the original question and start to present like almost like it grows a bunch of heads. And so just trying to get clear on like what is the central question here that you're holding? And that also can be helpful, I think, sometimes because what we might think initially is the question, we might realize it actually has a deeper question underneath it. So um, so just naming what the discernment specifically is right now, what is the heart of what you're trying, what you're after? Um, the second thing is to orient yourself to true desire. So this is um, this is where we get into the reality that we are complex human beings <laughs> and we have kind of, I, I hold to the belief that we have deep down in our soul kind of this immortal diamond, as Richard Rohr puts it, this inviolable, impervious, um, sacred, shining self that is kind of our true um like unending and enduring self and on top of that like root of ourself or this diamond in the center of ourself is all that kind of gets again glommed onto it from life there is the reality of you know trauma or just living in a world that is broken and imperfect. Uh, there's the reality of our circumstances. There's the reality of our upbringing. There's the realities of our kind of personalities or how we present in the world. There's the realities of our ego self. And there's all these things that kind of go on top of that immortal shining diamond at our at our center. And and so, you know, when we're when we're in a place of like real discernment about something before we enter into the process, it can be really helpful to get in touch with that true immortal diamond inside of us. And um, I call that kind of like our true self and and really our most pure connection to God. And so, you know, being aware that there's like all this stuff that is like kind of dirties over the diamond and makes it less shine shine less shiny, <laughs> less sparkly, um, being aware of what some of those factors might be and trying to kind of get in touch with that pure self inside of you, that place of true spark, that place where your desires are truly you and also pure. Um, so allowing yourself some space to get in touch with that immortal sparkling diamond within you that is who you truly are deep down. And then a third thing that can be helpful to do in the prep phase is just gathering some of the data. Um, sometimes when I'm doing discernment work with with folks, either in a like a formal setting or even just in conversation with a friend, I might say like, oh, it sounds like you need more data. <laughs> you know, it's like you're trying to decide something that you don't have enough data yet to make a decision about. Um, and so sometimes that's just practical data, like getting information you need that is going to help bolster your 
awareness of all the true factors going into something that you're discerning. And I talk about this quite a bit back in episode three of the podcast, where I talk about four factors to consider before birthing a general nonfiction book. And I lay out these four factors that are just kind of realities of the publishing world. And um, if you're going to birth a book, it's important to be aware of these realities, you might not be aware of them. And so to bring those kind of those truths, that data into your discernment, because it it really affects your ability to know if this is a good decision for you. So in your case, whatever you're trying to discern, is there any data that would be helpful for you to just lay on the table alongside all of the inner stuff that you're holding and all like those those inner dynamics and shades of things that are kind of helping you notice movements interiorly? Are there any exterior things that are just facts or information? Um things you know you need to know in order to help yourself make this decision. And you may notice when you're in your gathering data part that there's some stuff you know that you might need to know that you don't know yet. <laughs> so this is, again, that that like you might need more data. You may not be able to name the data itself. You may just be able to name this is as a category of data that you might need at some point in your process. So just getting clear on like, what do you know and what do you need to know? And is there anything that you need to know that you can like go ahead and start gathering to you to help you have a fuller picture of what it is that you're working with here? Okay, so prep work, naming the actual discernment question or the the, the discernment that's on the table for you, getting clear on that, orienting yourself to your true desire, your true self, and gathering any data that would be helpful for you in the process, Okay. Okay, so that's some kind of groundwork that can be helpful for you as you approach these five discernment methods or, yeah, these approaches that we're going to talk about in this episode. So here we go. Number one, one approach that you can take to discernment is to talk it out. So I was just writing about this on my Instagram um, account this morning. I just came back from a weekend in Baton Rouge. Kirk and I went on a road trip 10 hours up, 10 hours back on the road. And um, we went to go stay for the weekend with uh, one of my dearest friends and her family. And we were both holding some questions and lots of conversation, both on the drive and in Baton Rouge with our friends about some questions that we were both holding. And I noticed again, I was kind of refreshed again with the gift that it can be to talk out the questions that you're holding in discernment. So For me, you know, on the drive up to Baton Rouge, 10 hours in the car with Kirk, I was able to talk with him about um, something related to my work right now that I'm trying to discern. And if you're if you follow me on Instagram again, um, talking about Instagram already quite a bit today, Um, you're welcome to connect with me there. Christiane underscore bookwifery is my name there. Um, But if you've been connected with me there, you know that I'm holding a question about a community space uh, kind of centered around the concept of um, a house filled with light um, and the light being kind of all of the collective light that everyone inside the house has within them. And so um, kind of a community space for all of us light bearers to gather and to kind of work with our sense of our light in the world. And um, anyway, so I've been holding this question about is that something that's mine to do and on the drive to Baton Rouge. And then once we were in Baton Rouge with my friend Becky, um, having some space for me to just talk out the idea and having kind of this um, 
almost like this space between me and the other person I'm talking about it with where all of the stuff that's inside of me could come out and like sit between us and having when you do that what and this is what I was saying I I was posting about that this this morning on my Instagram account because I just wanted to share that like when we take what's inside of us and put it in the space between us and another person when we talk it out so much more can happen than when we're just holding it inside of ourselves. So you might talk about your discernment question with a friend, a trusted friend. You might bring it to your uh, partner in life. You might bring it to your spiritual director. You might bring it to a mentor, someone in your life who knows you and cares about you and has the ability to hold with you a question and just be in the space with you, listening and noticing and engaging with you about it. And what a gift that is when we have those people in our life, right? So some of the things I noticed over this weekend as I was talking in my talking out my discernment around this light-filled house concept um, was that um, when I tried to talk about certain aspects of what I was holding, sometimes something came out of my mouth and it just like my energy just propelled. Like I had more and more ideas and I had more and more excitement. And sometimes I tried to talk about an aspect of it that just kind of dropped out of my mouth like a lead balloon. It almost like it couldn't come out of my mouth very well. I was stumbling and stuttering. And, and it's like just saying it out loud does so much for me to even notice where is the energy and where am I struggling to even articulate this. And the person that you're talking about it with can notice those kinds of things with you. They can notice the energy. They can notice your body language in a way that you don't notice your own body language, either because you you just aren't watching yourself talk, but also like, you know, you're so caught up in what you're saying that you're not noticing like, oh, you were really waving your hands or, oh, you got this huge smile on your face or your eyes got really big or you, um, you know, you uh, started breathing really fast or like, oh, you just slumped back in your chair. Like, what was that about? So your your person that you're processing with can like notice these things and like, offer a mirror back to you and say, this is what I noticed when you were talking. This is what happened with your energy. This is what happened with your body language. Um, They can ask questions that kind of invite you to articulate things you might not have concretely in your mind yet. And so it like creates space for you to hold questions and and get more concrete about it. Um, They can notice things. um, They can make connections with you about things that like they know about you like, oh, this seems similar to what you talked about like three years ago when you were talking about this other thing. Like, is there a connection between these ideas for you? Um, Is the heartbeat behind them the same? Um, And just noticing connections can be really helpful and affirming of like, oh, wow, this really is a deep part of my heart. Like I really care about this and it's enduring. Like it's been going on for years, maybe in different forms. Um, And then um, another thing that they can do is they can notice like repeated words or phrases like, oh, you've said that like three times in the last 20 minutes. Like what is that thing about for you? (laughs) Like for some reason you're like really, it means something to you because you keep repeating it. And so they invite you to stop and notice. Um, What else? Oh, something else that's really helpful when you talk it out with someone is that you can say things out loud that you didn't even realize you knew or thought. So um, have you ever caught yourself in those moments where you're saying something to someone and all of a sudden something pops out of your mouth and you're like, wow, I didn't I didn't realize that I knew that or that I thought that or that I felt that way. And so just getting things out of you can sometimes surprise you. (laughs) So, okay, that's first approach. Talk it out. 
Second approach to discernment is um, one of my favorites, which is to connect with your ways of knowing. So here is where I invite you to take a scan back into your history and notice two things. One is times in your life where you knew that you knew something. Um, It could be related to a decision. Usually it is, um, but it could just be related to um, an awareness you had about a situation, um, a, a sense that you had about a person. Like what what were times in your life where you just knew that you knew something and it was like in you and you didn't have any question about it. And maybe it was confirmed later or not, but you just, you had this sense of like, yes, I know this thing. And maybe it was a decision that you had to make that you were like, I just know that this is the thing I need to do. So go back in time to places in your life where you had this strong knowing, knowing that you needed to make a certain decision that was right for you or you know, step away from something that was wrong for you, knowing something about a situation or a person that just, you just knew it. Okay. When you do that, when you scan back into your life to those moments, stay there and notice how you knew it. So was it something that happened in your body that like a sensation you got, like a tingling or, um, a feeling you had in your gut or a feeling you had in your throat, some way in which your body like arched up? Um, Was it a feeling of peace that was just all over you, like washing over you? Was it, um, you know, just some unarticulatable like conviction and you don't even know how you knew it. You just, it's like there was a strong knowledge. Um, Okay. So the reason I'm asking you to do that Um, and this is the first of two parts of knowing in this second approach, connecting with your ways of knowing, is your own way of knowing things. You're getting in touch with how you personally know things for yourself. And I... My experience is that each of us has kind of this this thumbprint, this unique thumbprint on us that is our own way of knowing things are true for ourselves. And so this is inviting you to start to learn what that is for you. If you've never done that before, it's a chance to kind of get to know your own inner way of knowing. Um, And then the second way of knowing that I invite you to connect to is, again, to scan back through your history and notice places where you would say that was a spiritual experience for me. That was a profound moment of the transcendent. That was a moment of connection with the divine, the holy, with God. Um, Scanning back in your history and noticing places where that has happened. So the first one was just noticing your own inner ways of knowing moments of your own personal like conviction and, and sense of yes or no. This one is about your sense of connection to the holy, to the sacred, to the divine. Um, where have you had profound spiritual experience or places where you can say, I was connected with the numinous there. I was connected with God there. And then what I want you to do with that is to kind of maybe lay those moments out before you. It might be helpful to make a list or a a kind of a mind map of these moments and see if there's any connections between them. Like, did they always happen in a certain kind of place, physical place, outside in nature, at a retreat center, at a church, in your bedroom, um, in a space where there was just a lot of quiet and maybe some candles lit? Like, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I'm just asking you to notice for yourself, are there any commonalities or some like 
themes of commonalities, maybe more than one, that you notice, oh, I tend to have profound experiences of God, of the divine, in these kinds of settings. And um, for me, I'll name for you some of the things that happened for me. Um, Kirk and I have um, this language between us that's emerged in our 12 years of marriage, which is what we call the emerging stone. There have been significant moments in our life together these last 12 years where it felt like a stone was emerging out of the water. And it was like this invitation to something that we didn't even know was there. And then suddenly it was right there in front of us in the water to step upon. And there have been like, so that has become a, a way of knowing between us that when we are faced with something that's being presented to us, it's almost like we can ask, we can ask each other or we can say, you know, this feels kind of like the emerging stone. And it gives us a sense of affirmation that this might be a yes for us because it has a similar feel to previous experiences of knowing in our past of our life together. So that's kind of a collective way of knowing. Um, I've shared before on the podcast uh, that I have a way of connecting to God myself, my own way of prayer that's very imaginative. There are scenes that emerge in prayer for me. So for me, experiences of God come through imaginative prayer. I visit scenes that have been given to me in prayer, and that is a way that God and I show up together, converse, connect. I receive kind of a sense of discernment in those prayer spaces. So that is one of my own personal ways of connecting to God. And so what I can do when I'm in a place of decision is visit that one of those scenes that's present for me right now and engage with the question of discernment in that space. So for you, it might be something completely different. It might be, you know, I need to go take a long walk in the woods. And that is where a sense of peace settles upon me, um, a space for, for God and I to commune. And I have a sense of what's true for me. So I'm inviting you to connect with your ways of knowing in this second approach, either through getting in touch with ways that you know things historically, and getting in touch with the ways that you and God connect. And you can apply those ways of knowing and connection to God's guidance in your life to the situation that you're discerning. You can say, like, is the way of knowing that I have historically had present to me and available to me present in this situation? So, or is there a way that I can connect to God in a way that I always find true and deep and real and bring this discernment piece to that space in order to, to gather some, some guidance? So, okay, that's the second way, connecting with your own ways of knowing. Um, the third way is what I'm calling attend to the beginning, middle, and end. So this has three parts to it, the beginning, middle, and end. And um, I'm going to kind of break down for you these three different ways that you can attend to what's here when you are discerning something. So the first, the beginning, is to get in touch with the true self and false self dynamics that may be at play right now as you're holding this question. Whatever the question is that you're holding for discernment, Getting in touch, this is the beginning, is getting in touch with the true self and false self dynamics that are at play. So remember back at the beginning of the episode, I talked about that um, sparkling inner immortal diamond inside of you that is like your truest, purest essence and how there can be things that kind of pile on top of that and kind of shroud it in murkiness and muck. <laughs> um this is where you might work with some of that and say, as I am holding this particular discernment question, what am I noticing just here at the start 
about my true self's presence with this question, like what is most deep and true and enduring and full of light? And what are the things that are going on here for me that are connected to, you know, outside structures or expectations or the egoic self that might be trying to promote itself or protect itself? Um, the the part the things that can come along and kind of distract us or derail us and just noticing at the outset of your discernment what is true and what is not so true or deepest and connected to you and so that's the attending to the beginning is like where are you starting from and you might find as you start attending to that question that what's motivating this this discernment in the first place for you is from a completely separate place other than yourself. It might be like, oh, I'm feeling a lot of pressure around this question and this discernment because of what's going on outside of me. Like there are, there's a situation or there's people or there's factors going on external to me that are making, have been, I've been kind of taking on and, you know, it's been making me feel like this pressure to do something. And it's actually not coming from me. It's coming from something else. And it's not mine to hold. It's actually others to hold. And that can even just sometimes help you realize, I don't actually have anything to discern here. <laughs> this isn't mine. Um, so that's one aspect of this. But it's also just getting clear on the dynamics that are going on and just being aware of like, what's influencing me just here at the start that feels like it's coming from my truest, deepest place and what might be coming from you know, psychological factors, emotional factors, environmental factors, relational factors, all of these things, and just getting clear on like, what are the dynamics here? And how much weight am I giving to each of them? Okay, so that's attending to the beginning of like where you're starting from. The middle part is um, what I'm going to say is um, getting in tune with consolation and desolation as you hold the question. So you're in the process of holding the question. You're kind of working with the different sides of it, the factors of it, noticing as you hold the different possibilities, do you have a sense of emerging consolation or desolation as you move through the different possibilities with this question or the different factors. So you're in the middle of it. So we talked about the beginning being your true self, false self awareness, the middle being as you're working with the discernment, you're holding the questions, you're noticing all the factors, you're starting to attend to what's happening inside of you as you hold the different questions and factors that are at play with this discernment. So as you hold a different piece of it, noticing and attending to, is my spirit going to a place of consolation or desolation with this? And when I say this, I don't mean like, um, like an emotion or like, okay, emotion can be part of it. It's hard to, it's hard to put into words what I mean here. Um, it's an enduring sense. So it's something underneath kind of like surface level emotion or surface level response. But like, so what I mean by this is that sometimes a discernment is leading us toward a really hard decision and it's not something happy and fluffy, but there's something underneath it that even though it's hard, we have this peace and sureness about it that consoles us. So it's consolation, even in the midst of something hard. Um, on the other hand, we might have something that feels like a sure hit, like it's hitting the ball out of the park. It's like awesome. Like maybe it's if it's a job decision, it's like, oh, my income is going to go up 20,000 a year. Um, I can bring my family to a better, you know, opportunity or something like that. Um, but 
And so it seems like really great on the outside, but underneath it, you might have this unease or this dis-ease. You might be feeling restless about it, like something about it just won't cause your spirit to settle. I would say that that's a desolation in the midst of something that looks like consolation or looks great. So really paying attention as you're holding possibilities, like what is underneath what's there for you as you're responding? Like what seems to be enduring? Is it a is it a restlessness or a dis-ease? Or is it a peace and a surety and like a, mm, yes, okay? So that's attending to the middle is paying attention to consolation and desolation. And then the attending to the end, so we did beginning and middle, now we're doing end. Attending to the end is looking at kind of like what is the fruit of this decision? What will emerge from it? I mean, obviously we can't know the future, but do you have a sense of the fruit of of whichever decision you might possibly be making, um, what is the kind of fruit it would bear in the world? Um, and, you know, in traditional Jesuit language, which kind of Ignatius of Loyola is the father of the Jesuit order in the Catholic tradition, and he did so much writing on discernment and has taught most of what we collectively know today about discernment. Um, he talks about this in terms of is would which decision would lead to an increase of faith, hope, and love, or a decrease of faith, hope, and love? And um, another way of saying this might be um, what what would lead more toward that which is good, that which is holy, even. Um, and so, noticing kind of the end fruit of a decision, and it may be the case that you know the end fruit of either decision or multiple decisions would all be good. Um, you see beautiful fruit coming from all of them, and that isn't helpful in some ways. And so, we're going to talk about what to do with that in a minute. But, but here is uh, you know attending to the beginning, middle, and end. Beginning is getting in touch with your true self and false self dynamics that are going into the decision. The middle is holding an awareness of consolation and desolation as you work with the different factors at play. And the end is what is the fruit that would could potentially come out of either of these decisions or any of these decisions that I'm holding. Okay, so the fourth one, the fourth approach to discernment that I'm offering to you today is what I'm titling Live As If. So this is um, this is actually one that might help you if you're realizing like there could be good fruit from any of the decisions you make. <laughs> so the fourth approach would be to live as if. And I'm going to take you down two ways that this can look. Um, one of them is what I'm calling options A, B, and C. And this is actually something that emerged for Kirk and I this weekend when we were staying with our friends and talking with them one night about a discernment question we've been holding. Um, they helped us realize that there were really like three options at play. So option A, option B, and option C. And they really encouraged us to spend some time kind of getting it out on pencil with pencil and paper and, and really really working through each of those options from beginning all the way to the end, like what we could imagine um, could be the case with any of the each of these options. So really starting from beginning to end, playing it out as if this option really happened, what could be? And so you're living as if kind of on paper, you're like, okay, with option A, if this really happened, this 
could be the result, like playing it out from like step by step by step. What could happen? What could happen with option A? What are all the things that could potentially result from from this being the road that I take? And then doing the same thing with option B and the same thing with option C and really like playing them out from beginning to end. And again, you don't have any way of knowing the future. I'm not trying to say that we are like reading the future, but we are imagining ourselves living out each of those options and seeing what we see, you know, what is the potential for good with this option and really leaning into what that could be Um, and noticing, do you feel like you hit a dead end? You know, like you get to a point where you're like, I just can't, I just can't with this, you know? (laughs) So that is a living as if on paper with options, A, B, C, D, E, F, whatever, how many, however many options you're holding and really living into each of them on paper about what could be and then learning what you learn from that. Another way of living as if would be to actually, and this is an Ignatian approach, again, going back to St. Ignatius, um, making a decision in favor of one of the options and just living as if it's true for the next few days or a week um, or even the next 24 hours, like live as if you made the decision in favor of one of the options and just walk around in your world as though that decision has been made in favor of that particular option and seeing what it's like for you to live with that decision. And learning what that living as if has to teach you, like, oh, this is where that question of consolation or desolation can come up. You're walking around in the world for 24 hours as if you've made the decision in this particular way. And that 24 hours was filled with restlessness, with dis-ease, with agitation, with worry and fear. And it's like, okay, um, this did not sit well. (laughs) This did not feel like I was wearing the clothes that were made for me. And so then you take the next 24 hours or next week or whatever, and you walk around in the world with the other alternative and walk around as though that was the true choice you had made. And you haven't actually made the choices. You're just letting yourself live with them as though you have and noticing what you notice from doing that and what that discernment approach can teach you about the decision that is before you. Okay, so that's living as if. You got working options A, B, and C on paper, and then you can also walk around with it for 24 hours or a week or however many and see what you learn from that. Okay, and then the last um, approach to discernment that I'm going to share with you today is notice what you're noticing. I'm sure you've heard me say that phrase many times on this podcast already. Um, it's, uh, It's something that comes up a lot when we talk about discernment is just to notice what you're noticing. And this can take a lot of different forms. Um, As I was trying to think of like all the ways that I've thought of this phrase, notice what you're noticing or how it's come up for me in conversation with people. um, I'm going to give you some examples of what I mean by notice what you're noticing. But it's basic. The basic idea is that we may notice things throughout our day, things that kind of strike us, things that kind of stay with us through the day that we keep kind of going back to. That's noticing, but this this piece is to notice what you're noticing. So it takes it a step further and it actually gives you space to be with the things that you notice. So it's very easy to like notice things and kind of have them rumble around with us throughout the day, but it's another step forward with it to say, I'm going to actually sit with what I'm noticing and see what it has to teach me. So here's some examples um, that, that, that could be come up for this. So it might be like synchronicities where, um, you know, a certain, 
a story or a phrase or a person like keeps popping up in your day-to-day life, like over the course of a week or two or a month or something, you're like, oh my gosh, like I keep encountering that particular story, you know, from the scriptures or something. Um, Like this keeps presenting itself to me and I'm noticing it. Like it would be easy to like have it present, but you'd not really notice that it kept coming up. But this is where like you're noticing, oh, in the course of a month, I've encountered the story of Ruth from the scriptures like four times. Like it came in a podcast episode over here. It was the scripture that was read in church on this Sunday. It came up in a conversation with a friend and like Ruth, she just keeps coming up. And so you might notice that you're noticing that and say, what does this story <clears throat> have to teach me? Like, what is it that I being might be being invited to sit with and notice with this? Like, why is this continuing to present itself? What does have to teach me. So that's a synchronicity. Um, Another place that you can notice what you're noticing is with a prayer approach called the examine prayer. And this is again, another St. Ignatius gift to us. It's the examine prayer. And it's something that you can pray once or twice a day where you just review your day. You notice what happened in your day. You notice how you responded to the day. Um, you notice where God's presence might have been with you in the day or where you might have missed the opportunity for God's presence. Um, and you just, you notice what you notice about your day. Like what are the things that chose to present yourself when you themselves, when you did your review of the day? And it's like, okay, I noticed these, I mean, obviously in a 24 hour period, we have like probably thousands of little moments that happen. What are the things you chose to call out as moments of worth noticing? And and then paying attention to like, oh, I really chose to notice these four things from the day. Why did those matter to me? What is it that they have to speak to me about my heart, about the state of my, my well-being right now, um, what I care about, um, what what tends to bother me, uh, what I'm working with and really wrestling with. And so the examine prayer can help you notice what you're noticing because you call out things from your day and then you can say like, why, why these things? And how can those help me learn more about what's important to me? What is difficult for me? And then allowing yourself to let those noticings be part of your discernment. Um, what is this teaching me about myself that would be helpful in the context of my discernment right now? Um, I notice for me, sometimes I notice what I'm noticing when I go to meet with my spiritual director and I might come to my session with her. I see her once a month. I might come to my session with her with like something that's really present on my mind that I've been thinking all week, like, oh, I want to use my session to talk about this with her. And then I come there and something else has happened in my day that's um, almost like taking up all the air in the room. And so she'll often give me a moment at the beginning of the session to just sit in the quiet and see what surfaces to the top. Like I might have three ideas of things I want to chat about with her for the session, but she gives me a moment to like see what actually comes to the surface as most present to use our time with, or at least to start there. So this is a moment of like noticing what you're noticing, what's most present, and then allowing yourself to, to go deeper into that and to say like, what is it about this thing that seems like, why is it most prominent? Why does it matter to me right now? How can this noticing be helpful to me in what I'm holding as a question right now? Okay, so noticing what you're noticing, as you pay attention to what's got your attention, 
asking questions of it. You know, it's taking that second step beyond just noticing it. And it's noticing that you're noticing it and asking questions about it. You know, is there consolation or desolation here? Is there something that I'm needing to learn and pay attention to? Is this trying to teach me something? Um, Is there an invitation in this for me somehow? So, okay, notice what you're noticing. That is the fifth approach to discernment. So two things I want to mention, well, three things I want to mention here at the end of this session, not this session, this episode. The first is I want to recommend a book to you that Kirk and I have been reading through that is by a Jesuit priest named Mark Thibodeau. It's called God's Voice Within, and it is a fantastic primer on discernment. It teaches you all about this consolation, desolation stuff. It teaches you what to do when you're holding multiple decisions. It teaches you how to orient yourself into that true self place, that sense of pure and good and right connection to the holy and to yourself. Um, I will say that it's written, like I said, by a Jesuit priest. And so it's, it's written from a posture that assumes the Christian tradition. That is my tradition, but that may not be your tradition, which is completely fine. But I just want you to know that if that sounds like something that would be helpful to you, I'll link it up in the show notes. It's called God's Voice Within by Mark Thibodeau. Second thing I want to mention is a a good friend of mine named Jen Wilhoit. On Instagram, she goes by the name Cobbleworks. And again, I will link her up in the show notes. Um, I just want to encourage you to follow her on Instagram if you aren't already. Jen does a lot of work around Ignatian spirituality, particularly the examine prayer, which I talked a little bit about in this episode. And also consolation and desolation. So she's a great person to follow to continue to learn more about noticing what you're noticing, bringing your awareness um, into, uh, of everyday life into a posture of prayer before God, um, working with the examine on a daily basis and um, kind of being present to what's happening in your life, all of which is discernment work. Um, so I will link her up, Cobbleworks, in the show notes if you want to go give her a follow on Instagram. I highly recommend it. Also, she does these amazing illustrations that help you get a sense of like what it can look like in everyday life to connect, to to become friends with yourself and with God and with the world. And then the third thing I want to mention is that um, I am continuing to make available discernment sessions, one-on-one discernment sessions with folks. Um, I will link this up in the show notes as well. But if you are holding, particularly if you're holding a question around book pregnancy, I would love to to hold space with you. Um, It's a 45-minute session, and I provide you with questions beforehand. Um, It's nine nine questions that you provide to me beforehand before we meet that allow me to come into our session with kind of an awareness of all the factors that you're holding here. And then we just spend some time noticing what we're noticing together and giving you space to talk it out with someone who can help you pay attention and notice your body language and your energy and things that you keep repeating, um, getting clear on like your ways of knowing and how is that present here, um, giving you a chance maybe to even to do some imagining of living as if. Um, so all these things that were, you know, noticing the false self and the true self's presence, noticing consolation and desolation, like all the things we talked about here, these one-on-one discernment sessions um, can be an opportunity for you to work through some of that around your discernment question. They're particularly geared toward book pregnancy, but if you have some other discernment question you're holding, um, you're welcome to reach out to me and see if it might be a good fit for a discernment session. But I will link up that information in the show notes as well if you want to book a session um, or if you want to just reach out to me to find out if it's a good fit for you. I'll also put a contact uh, link 
link there for you. So I hope this was helpful. Um, having five approaches to discernment plus some prep work that can be helpful when you are approaching discernment. So glad to be continuing to talk about discernment with you. I hope you found it helpful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bookwifery podcast. Show notes for each episode can be found at bookwifery.com slash podcast. I'd love to connect with you beyond the show. You can subscribe to my birth notes newsletter at bookwifery.com slash notes, where I share further details behind each week's episode, plus updates on all things bookwifery. My favorite place to hang out online is Instagram. You can find me at Christiane underscore bookwifery or by searching bookwifery in the explore tab. And lastly, don't you just love this music? It's called Lights Dissolve and is produced by a musician named Elliot Middleton. Thanks again for listening.